0: Coming to you from the San Jose Mercury News, the Bay Area News Group, it's the TK Show. And here's your host, Tim Kawakami. Hello, everybody. It's the TK Show on opening day special. Uh, Now we're doing to the A's here with the great, longtime Chronicle A's beat writer, my friend, Susan Slusser. How are you today, Susan?
1: I'm great, Tim. Every opening day is
0: great. It's wonderful. The sky is clear. It's not raining. I think wasn't it wasn't raining last year for opening night for the A's, if I recall it was. Or maybe was. A little
1: was, bit of a drizzle. Yeah. yeah.
0: I remember sitting near Ratto, so it might just be raining wherever he is. I think sometimes that's how it works. <laughs> uh, obviously, a whole bunch of new faces on the A's, as there always is. I just wonder, having you know, you've covered them all spring. What what new player or players do you think will catch A's fans' eyes right off? Who who do they want to be watching right off?
1: Well, I think the left side of the infield, if I can cheat and say, too. Yeah, okay. uh, Brett Laurie, obviously, people will be looking at him because Josh Donaldson was, was a guy who was so huge for the yeah. A's the past couple of years and an MVP candidate and up and traded, and people were very upset about that. Brett Laurie. Uh, plays with the same sort of energy and style, kind of all out. And I I think people respond to that defensively. He's not going to hit as many (laughs) runs as Mm. Josh Donaldson, uh, but he's a good player if he's healthy. Yeah. So uh, that's number one, look for Brett Laurie's health. And then number two is Marcus Simeon, who's a local guy, and mm-hmm. he's being asked to play every day shortstop for the first time at the major league level. Uh, it's such a huge position. And, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, asking a lot of him. But I, he, he looked during the spring as if he's somebody that can handle it. Uh, but this is going to be a progression. There are going to be some ups and downs. So, again, something to keep an eye on probably all season.
0: What's the coverage for Simeon? Is it Zobrist? If he can, if he's not going to play 145, 150 games, who, what's the other option there?
1: Well, that's the thing. There isn't much of another no. option. It's it's Sogard, At least they okay, say that's right, that's Zobrist right. can yeah. play there. The problem with Zobrist is they need really more of him because I think right now they want him to play. Right field, second base, if they need him to play short. So, I mean, really, yeah. they need to clone him somehow. <laughs> that would really be
0: ideal. If Tampa Bay can't figure out how to do it, no one's going to figure out how to do it. <laughs> I think they did do it for a couple of times. I think Zobers played second base and right field for them a couple of games. <laughs> uh, well, what player do you think the A's are going to miss the most? I guess the easy one would be Donaldson. But, uh, I mean, I'll throw Cespedes in there, even though he was an off-season trade. Of all those guys that moved, you know, you know all 700 of them that Billy moved uh, from July on, who, who do you think the A's are going to miss the most.
1: Well, yeah, Donaldson's probably the one that jumps out, you know, the power and the tremendous defense and the sort of intensity that he showed every day and and a guy who'd, who'd kind of come out of nowhere, which I think everyone liked. You know, you can't discount... Losing Brett, Brandon Moss and yeah. 30-plus home runs. Uh, I think Jeff Samarja was fantastic with what he gave them when, yeah. when he was there, even just for half the season. And really, <laughs> look at all those guys. That's an awful yeah. lot of talent but, that was sent away.
0: I mean, you go through this. You've covered this team through a bunch of these. I mean, do you get used to off-seasons that lead to spring trainings where you don't know half the starting lineup, or is, is it strange
1: for you, too? Well, you know, I, I think Buddy. I think the uh, the Donaldson trade kind of took me by surprise. We were all expecting Samarja to go, and I, the morning that happened, I'd, I'd gotten a tip that something big was coming down the pike, and I just assumed it was going to be Samarja. Mm-hmm. But uh, Josh Donaldson, that, that one was uh, that one was a little crazy. But, yeah, everybody else, you could say, okay, I get why they're moving Samarja. But Moss coming off a of hip surgery and, uh, you know, some of the other uh, – Luke Gregerson leaves as a free agent. Derek Norris, probably at the highest of his uh, – a trade value but Donaldson yeah that that one was a little bit of a shocker
0: so, so what was the spring like with these guys I mean I just from afar hardly watching any of it they seem to be playing pretty well there seem to be some players emerging it. I thought Simeon and maybe the, the young pitchers Grayman and Hahn. What, what what did you think of the A's this spring
1: they are always so interesting. The way Billy Bean does things, and and bringing in the new guys, and the the level of talent and uh, the the promise is always fun during the spring. And some of these guys looked outstanding. Now the A's are team that feel pretty strongly that you don't look at spring training mm-hmm. numbers. However, that said, it they played very well, which I think is important. You know, it's it's not meaningless that a group of essentially new guys all coming together. There are only 11 guys on the 25-man roster mm-hmm. that were sort of everyday contributors for the A's last year, pitchers and and position players. So I think the fact that they did win a lot of games and a lot of late games, of course there's no Cactus League trophy or anything, but I think for them, gives them a little bit of confidence, makes them feel like a team before the season starts.
0: I know Billy in the front office doesn't think a lot about chemistry or leadership or those things they think it develops with wins, and I agree with a lot of that, but... I mean I think Donaldson kind of was the leader of this team last year. He's gone. Who who's the leader? What's the leadership force in that in that clubhouse?
1: And everyone always po- points to Coco Chris so there's yeah. a problem there in that he is out for the first time yes. about 2 months of the and, season and that, that head, for, yeah. and that happens yeah. a bit for him. that happens too, yeah. That's probably part, you know, probably one of the issues is that he, you know, that they want to keep him on the field. It's just proven impossible over the last few years to to really keep him in the in the lineup regularly. We know how important he is, but you know, I think Sean Doolittle's a leader. I think Josh Reddick's a leader, and of the new guys, um, they're all actually very vocal guys, mm. which is is probably good. Uh, the big new guys, the names, you know, Billy Butler, Brett Laurie, Ike Davis. Mm, that's right. Uh, I think they're all guys who who aren't going to be afraid to to say something if something's needed, but yeah, the, the A's did lose something in terms of leadership because they they lost not only Donaldson, who, who really was sort of the heart and soul of the team, and, and Cespedes, who obviously was very clearly admired, uh, but Jed Lowry was sort of a veteran who'd seen it all, very smart, done it all. And Brandon Moss was sort of the nonstop talker everyone yeah. loved, would just uh, kind of light up the room with, with his uh, jibber-jabber. So <laughs> uh, they're still finding their way, I think, in terms of chemistry, and you're right, there's chemistry. It does not necessarily – it's not the be-all, end-all for a sport like baseball. But it's, you know, maybe more important than some of the front offices think.
0: They, they've kind of – just kind of lucked into it. I don't know. I mean, they've just always had it. Maybe that's part of it. They've always had it, going back to the big three pitchers were in Giambi. And maybe just it's assumption that they're always going to have it. And maybe they always will have it. I don't know. But it, yeah, they talk about how much chemistry doesn't matter, yet they always have it. It's an interesting little dichotomy there with this team.
1: Well, Bob Melvin, I think, is one reason for that. In recent yeah. years, uh, players love playing for yeah. him. He's just straightforward. He's honest with them. He backs his guys. I think they feel like he's behind them, and I think that just that sort of fosters an area, uh, an aura of sort of loose, loose clubhouse, and yeah. we can be who we are. I mean, we, we you know, from these A's teams the last few years, it's back to like the old days—the <laughs> hair and the beards and sort of goofy behavior I think that's that's almost encouraged and being sort of the second team in a region I think there's a little bit of that too they they like being kind of the underdog I think that was the fact that they were such an overdog for a while last year I don't think that was good for them Mm. they seemed like they tightened up and that was the worst they'd played in some time so back to sort of being number two and a chip on their shoulder and hey we're, we're kind of the crazy loud bunch they love it.
0: In the stadium that nobody wants to play in and the sewer backs up and all those fun things, right? The the underdog.
1: Yeah, woe is us. Woe is <laughs> us. We're always number two. But yeah. that's that's when they, they really do. They they kinda play better. And it makes sense, you know, pressure the little bit of pressure off when you're the ones coming from behind.
0: Well Billy's brought up that twenty twelve was his favorite season maybe of any of the seasons because they did come out of nowhere and they win what, ninety four games, whatever and win the division on the last game of the season with all these new young players. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. I would imagine it's not. But do you see the seeds of something like that on this roster?
1: I think that they are a team that can contend. I think that they could stay in it the whole way. Uh, I think you you were dead on. I saw that, that you have Seattle winning the division. Yeah. I agree. Seattle looks phenomenal. Um, I think the problem with the AL West is there are three good teams with the A's, the Angels, and the Mariners. I think they could wind up beating each other up enough to maybe take the wild card out of consideration for maybe even one or both of the, the yeah. runner-ups in the division, yeah. um, which is a shame that being a good division is probably going to work against them. Um, but I do think that the A's are one of the, say, five or six best teams in the American League.
0: Now, I've been accused of being soft on Billy, which I, 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 I don't always criticize them. and the Cespedes' trade, I did not rip when it happened. and. and I know you've taken a global view of it also because they were going to trade Cespedes at some point anyway. But do you, looking back on it now, having sh- talked about it forever, I'm sure, on endless amounts of shows and the, the fans and however, do you think that was a milestone moment for last year or do you think it just was one of the things that happened last year?
1: Oh, I think it was a milestone moment for a lot of reasons. Uh, psychologically, as much as anything, I think that, you know, the A's were dealing with a lot of other things injuries uh especially moss the whole hip injury yep. i think affected him much more than people knew the three catchers that that situation had worked so well in the first half and suddenly fell apart because of injuries but i <laughs> think trading cespedes i think really made everyone else tighten up hmm. uh and i think that the the chemistry for lack of a better term i think did change um you certainly got this maybe almost mercenary feel with a bunch of new guys coming in and uh you know, Even the one, the one with Gomes, and I think they felt like Gomes coming back from that beloved 2012 team could maybe smooth things over with the loss of Cespedes. That's tough to ask for a guy coming in for the final two months of the season. He can't just go like, hey, I haven't been here all all year. Listen to me man. now. Yeah. So uh, I, I do think it was an awesome – and the way the fans reacted. Uh, it, and, and you know what? Look at the numbers with the – you can't even say it's a small sample size. The A's numbers with Cespedes versus without Cespedes – during that whole stretch, including the second half of last year after he was gone, pretty astonishing. Yeah.
0: Um, so, what's going to happen with Kazmir and Zobris this year? Then, uh, two guys, two guys who are on the last years of the contract. We know the A's have traditionally moved these guys or often let move these guys. Uh, does it entirely going to be depend on w- what their record is in July, or might Billy move them anyway, or one or both?
1: Well, I think they'll be in it, so I don't think they're going anywhere. Honestly, it's almost. I don't want to say win-win, because if they trade either of those guys, it means they're not in it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if, if they have to, they have those guys as chips, and they can get probably some very nice pieces for the future. If they don't move them, I think that they're, they'd be very happy not to, because that means they'll be in it. So, you know, tough to say. Uh, so much of the A season, because they don't have, a, you know, a lot of depth of reserves these days, uh, is going to be health. So yeah. a couple – Big injuries, and they really could wind up having to trade some guys like that. But I don't know. You know what? They they look like they've got a lot of promise, and and I'm telling you, some of these young pitchers that they got in these trades in the off season look phenomenal. Yeah. Kendall Graveman looks like a potential Rookie of the Year type player. Yeah. So, uh, I I would be very loath to to say, hey, the A's are going to trade some of their big pieces in mid season. Right now, I don't see that happening.
0: What is the secret ingredient, Bill? I've asked him myself that. He can go find guys in the minor leagues on other teams' rosters. Now, he doesn't necessarily have them on his own roster, I point out to him sometimes, but he can go out and get them. on. Other, is there some formula, is there some number anyone is pointing out to you that he can go get a Graveman or, you know, in the past, Derek Norris, Brandon Moss, the guys that, that are not in the majors or haven't proven anything in majors, and he figures out how to get them and plop them in, then they produce for the A's almost immediately. What's, what's, the, what's the deal here?
1: Yeah, these tend to be guys who are very close to the big leagues or have maybe had a little bit of a taste or, you know, say like Amos that kinda kicked around. They have enough of a at least a track record in the upper minor leagues mm-hmm. Uh, To get an idea, now Graveman's a little bit of a different story. He obviously went through the entire Toronto system last year and wound up in the majors, (laughs) like the entire system. That's crazy because he suddenly stumbled across a cutter that worked great, and the A's took note of that. And, uh, like, I think many teams did and went, like, wow, this is a new guy. This wasn't the guy that was drafted. You know, this is a a completely different kind of pitcher now. Uh, But you know what? The A's are probably better than any team at identifying pitchers. draft and from other teams. They just, the pitching is their thing, which is great because that's really the game, especially these days. They're also very good at at figuring out guys who are maybe getting a little bit close to their prime and have underachieved elsewhere, maybe might benefit from the whole platoon things. There are guys who really, if you use them in a platoon, just flourish. And I think they feel like Ike Davis might be that guy this year. So, Um you know that the, the platoon thing doesn't work for everybody. There are some guys you know Eric Sogard might not be a guy who has benefited necessarily from a platoon role. I think he might be somebody who plays better every day'cause he he tends to lose his swing. Some guys like Moss just really come come forward so uh that's it's and then kind of a fun a kind of strange little niche pitching and and uh you know four a guys that might be. Uh, good in the
0: platoon. Yeah, that was one. That's one general theory I have is about last year. Just kind of backdating it to last year's, that platoon thing is fantastic. You get a bunch of twenty-seven year olds, you know, who 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 bloom late, and you you maximize them with a the platoon advantage with a with a manager certainly who knows how to do it. But they might hit a wall, right? I mean, you get to a certain point, and you need you don't need four A players. You you need studs and they kind of ran out of them last year. And I think Coco is one, but he gets hurt all the time, and I don't remember him producing much at the end of last year. And it just kind of seemed like all those guys either, you know, injuries sometimes slow down careers. Well, then you get good for a little while, then you're going to probably get hurt again. I just That's my general theory. What do you think of that one, Susan?
1: Well, yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think the A's felt like they were kind of covered because they had so many good players and a lot of depth and versatility, which they did, but – you know, you look at sometimes a platoon can wind up hurting you down the line. Look at Derek Norris, mm-hmm. extremely good as a platoon catcher, extremely good. And then injuries to Jay So and Vote, he essentially was the everyday catcher, sort of started wearing down. And he had not hit that much except against left handed pitchers. So, you know, his numbers started to tail off. You know, kind of went into a little bit of spiral. He wasn't performing as well defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe the platoon thing had been great for him and the, and the everyday thing really just kind of didn't work out. And part of it was because he hadn't really done it before. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a catch 22, but man, when, when it's clicking, you that three headed catcher, that was incredibly unusual and that was phenomenal when they had it going.
0: Three catchers who all hit and all get on base and two of them left-handed. That's, that's unheard of. That's unheard
1: of. Yeah, that was wonderful. Um.
0: You know, Bob Melvin obviously is a, you know, very calm, collected guy, and he's been through this and been through the wins and, and through the turnover, I guess, kind of, this is his first big turnover he's been through with the A's. How how does he deal with this? He just kind of accepts it, and this is life with the A's uh, that Billy knows best? Or how, how does he deal with all this?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's just about as uh, a grown-up a person as you're going <laughs> to find anywhere, you know, just kind of deals he knows he knows how the A's operate. You know, he gets what Billy Bean does. And, you know, they're in very close contact about all the the moves that are gonna be made. Now I don't think there's any manager on earth that loves having essentially the heart of his order hmm. suddenly up and moved over the course of say, you know, Four or five months with Cespedes and Donalds and Amos, uh, I think that's going to make any any manager kind of raise his eyebrows a little bit. And I'm sure, sure Melvin at some point went like, "Oh wait, uh, that those are that's the middle of the lineup." But he knows Billy Bean's track record, and I think he feels, you know, I think like everybody, look how interesting it is. And then you got new sort of pieces to play with and lineups to try out, and you know, spring, spring's eternal, you know, for for baseball. And I, I think. Bob Melvin is somebody that appreciates that it's a new challenge who who doesn't like that
0: yeah and I think you know I maybe maybe they don't always get along, but I do think Billy appreciates Bob's openness to it right I mean he Billy brings in a player doesn't matter who he is Melvin puts him in the lineup almost immediately i I've always noticed that uh and, yeah immediately yeah. immediately and yeah
1: no i I mean there are a lot of reasons for doing that all of them smart uh this is a very sharp man you're i mean I think Billy Bean, more than any other person, maybe even in professional sports, surrounds himself with smart people who will challenge him. Mm-hmm. That means they don't always necessarily get along, right? No. I mean, there's going to be – but it's, I think it's productive disagreements, and that's when the A's have been at their best. You know, Famously, Billy Bean and Art Howe did not always see eye to eye. But I think a lot – one of the things that Moneyball, I think, missed on was I think some of that back-and-forth, was a little productive, you yeah. know? I think they saw things differently, and there was some, like, a creative tension. I think there's some of that sometimes with Melvin and Dean. I think they're much closer on the same page, and they're very, and this is not an house situation yeah. by, by any means, but Billy re- respects people with different opinions. That's why he's hiring them.
0: Yep. Well, that's one, I mean, again, I, I know Melvin is close to Harbaugh, and, I'm, and I bring up Harbaugh with everything, but... <laughs> Billy and Harbaugh, you know what? Harbaugh didn't mind or doesn't mind. He's not dead. He's just in, in Arbor. <laughs> but Har- 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 Harbaugh doesn't mind if you have a point. You know, he doesn't love it if you're going to make it forever, but he likes strong personalities. And yeah. I, I think Billy, and it doesn't, but it also neither one minds confrontation about ideas either. Just as long as, yeah, it's just like part of a smart conversation and it might sound or feel tense, but it's also part of the process. And I I would, I would compare the two men that way.
1: Absolutely. I think they thrive on it. I mean, I, 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 you know, it's an insecure uh, leader who hires people that are worse than him yep. or not as deep thinkers. And Billy Bean is exactly the opposite. He's always going to surround himself with people he thinks are the best and the brightest. And Bob Melvin fall, falls right into no. that. He is not just no. sort of pushing buttons for Billy. Yep. This is a guy with his own ideas and who knows baseball.
0: And I will say this, and they scare those kinds of guys scare insecure people, right? Because they don't want to deal with that kind of thing. And if you have a bunch of secure people who like challenging each other, then you can get some things out of that, I think.
1: Yeah, it's one of the reasons for the A's success. There's yeah. no doubt. The The years the A's have been very good. I think that creative tension in the upper ranks is, is definitely something that has been healthy for the A's.
0: Yeah. Do you think Billy's, this is it, this is the team where he's going to retire, this is it for him? And I'm not saying this is it for him, you know, but... Five more years, six more years with the A's, and he'll retire. What, what do you think is Billy's he's future here? He's
1: always talking about it. I, you know what? I, I think he does feel like there are other things out there for him, and this is a brilliant man who could have, you know, he could go anywhere and do anything he wants to do, you know, be it from soccer, which obviously we know he loves, mm. to politics, to to anything. So it wouldn't stun me if at some time he steps aside, but what I see happening in the the shorter-term future is sort of the, what the new wave of everything is you know elevate david yeah. Force to gm with billy taking some sort of executive blah blah president team whatever <laughs> um which is you know the what the theo's and the andrew friedman's and all all of those kind of Brian controls. sabian and just you know, did Bruce, that yeah exactly yeah. Bruce, but brian sabian so yeah. i i think that that's probably the, the next step and then maybe that frees Billy up to do some of the other things and he doesn't need to leave. I don't think he wants to leave the team. Look, I mean they've still got things to do. Yeah. They really do. And if if they wound up say winning it all one year, I don't think you'd want to leave at that point. You know, there's then you gotta do it again, right? Yep.
0: Susan, what's going on with the Oakland stadium situation? <laughs> if any,
1: well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not I'm asking you to, ask?
0: I know, I'm not asking you to <laughs> solve it or anything like that, but just what does the team think is going on?
1: Uh, no, one never knows. You know, I think everybody understands there's a 10 year lease and that a lot hinges on the Raiders and the San Jose looks closed for now, but Hey, there's a court case who knows what crazy stuff can come out of a court case. Yeah. I think that's a, a long shot at this point, but, uh, it's clear that the, the major league baseball and the A's owners would be in favor of a baseball only stadium at the current site. Yep. How that gets built, I'm not quite sure, but it would probably take the Raiders leaving. So, yeah. um, really, that's the only thing that anybody's really looking at for right now. There's so many outs in that lease. I mean, who knows? Legally, they, they could be anywhere within a couple of years.
0: Yeah, I just, except for San Jose, but uh, <laughs> theoretically, the one thing about that one, which I understand, and I totally get all that, and but. What if the Raiders stay then? So if you're betting everything on the Raiders leaving, then what happens if they stay? What if they don't know? Then everything gets kind of, ah, that's Oakland. That's where we're well, at. Well, like, you know,
1: there's different strains of thought yeah. in in Major League Baseball. And, and again, the court case, if, if the Supreme Court were to take that case, San Jose might suddenly become a viable option yeah. really quickly, because yeah. there's no way that baseball wants to mess with its antitrust exemption. Zero chance. So uh, it's happened in other places where the threat of a court case sure. has suddenly changed things. Who
0: knows? And you are the best person to ask this because you've covered so many of these, and and you have had relation with so many of these players. Who's your favorite former A's player? When you when you see them, who who's the one that you think is the best?
1: Well, I always. I mean, I have to say, you know, we're supposed to be objective, but mm. I have even written that I have almost no objectivity when it comes to Eric Chavez. Yeah. He, you know, I covered him longer than anyone else has been. He was with the age for 12 years, which think about that. That in itself is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, and so gracious and unbelievably honest, you know, as a reporter, Tim, the number of guys who will say something maybe a little outrageous, <laughs> get in trouble for it, and then go, oh, I was I was taken out of context, <laughs> or that was reported wrong. Yeah. That happened to Eric numerous times, usually involving something he told me or, you know, I was in the group for. And the next day he would say, yep, I said it. That's what I think. Yep. You know, it's just what I think. There's nothing, you know, how's anybody going to get mad at me for that? Yep. I answered honestly. So you got to love a guy like that. Yep. And very quotable. Yep. And a, just a good, good, good dude. I'm looking forward to having him on the A's broadcaster for games this year. I think he'll be very good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's somebody who just thinks interesting thoughts. That's what I always thought about. You know, he just... He doesn't shut himself off to the world. He doesn't think I'm just a ball player. I don't care. He just like if you have something interesting to ask him, he'll think about it and then give you a refreshing answer. As a good yeah, and, and
1: curious about things. Yeah. He wants to know. I mean he's he's one of the few guys that would ask about, hey, what is this? Tell mm-hmm. me about this. So uh very refreshing. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll go off the book here. Uh, I know Billy always asks me about other teams. That's just what he does. He asks me about the Niners, he asks me whatever. You cover the team, so maybe but does he ask you about other stuff? Is he curious about other things with you? With me it's the 49ers almost all the time. What what does he ask you about?
1: No, our our topics sort of off baseball wind up being more about things like music, okay. um politics, things like that. I mean, since I'm just mostly focused on the A's, I think People that know me know I'm obsessed with hockey. That's He's really? not a hockey guy. Okay. Yeah, so. No Red Wings We're talk with Billy?
0: With, oh, my goodness. No
1: Red Wings talk with Billy, sadly. <laughs> Tyler Ladendorf is now my guy. <laughs> Kurt Young and Tyler Ladendorf. <laughs> okay. um, although Ladendorf's a Blackhawks fan, which clearly Uh-oh.
0: is erroneous. Uh-oh. So. This is this steers <laughs> me to the perfect general question, which I ask everybody, and I get some great answers. What is your favorite restaurant, Slus?
1: Well, I've got such a soft spot for the slanted door. Oh, I know it's yeah. uh, sort of tried and true, maybe, yep. maybe a little bit past its prime, but man, I do, I do still love going there and its and, and current location when those yep. lights are on on the yep. Bay Bridge. I, I don't know if you can beat that. What's your order? Well, now that I don't eat meat, uh, an awful lot of spicy green beans. Okay. I keep that all day. So, uh, And, you know, anything else on the menu that's uh, veggie heavy.
0: All right. And what is your current favorite television show? Did you watch Mad Men last night, by the way? I did. I did not. No no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah, gonna be
1: interesting to see how it wraps up. Okay. Uh, Game of Thrones. I'm yeah. uh, obsessed with the books. I have been for many, many, many a year, and um, they're kind of veering away from the books a yep. little bit, which is fascinating. They, they've done an amazing job throughout. I thought it would I would pick it apart when it started and hate it, uh, love it, and every little change they've made has wound up being either interesting uh, or understandable given the medium.
0: Uh, I love the show. I've not read the books. Would you incre- Would you say I should read the books?
1: I would tell anybody to read the okay. books, but they're they're not for everybody. You know, right. the genre is not necessarily for everybody, but uh, the characters are unbelievably vivid. The plots are—I mean, you know—from the shows, yep. which is mostly it's mostly followed. But uh, the writing is funny and and uh, beautifully done. Just phenomenal books. A lot of them and uh, very long, so it's a commitment. But yeah, they're they're terrific.
0: All right, Susan, I've taken up plenty of your time. You've got a game to cover tonight, and I will be there out there in Oakland tonight. Uh, A's opener, no rain. I'm hoping, although I'm not seeing clouds, so I'm now jinxing, jinxing myself here. But, uh, Susan, I appreciate all the time. Great conversation. we got another A season to go here. Yay.
1: See you
0: tonight, TK. <laughs> all right, Susan. Thank you very much, Susan. All right, everybody, that is Susan Slusser, our guest on opening day Special. I'd like to thank her. I'd like to thank Mike Kruko, who was on earlier and I'd like to thank my producer Paul Baca. I'd like to thank you all for listening. I'd like to thank everybody. I'd like to thank A Floor for letting me sit here. I'd like to thank everybody. Uh, we will have another show on Friday. We'll back to the regular schedule. That's it for today. Thank you everybody.